Greetings, ladies and gents, and welcome to this daily science fiction extravaganza, commonly known as Tales, Tales from Outer from space. Out, space. Out, space. Taken from the subreddit HFY, all the relevant links will be down below. And, as always, I hope that you enjoy. And if you do, please consider supporting the channel. On to the science fiction. Story number one, Gremlins Quarantine. Before we stepped out of Sol's cradle, we knew that we could stumble across life not born of Earth. The Martian Polar Expedition confirmed that pathogens were not only possible, but may even be simple enough to infect the host it hasn't adapted to. To put it simply, where humans go, a trained immunologist must follow. Although the settlers of this current band of colonists simply refer to me as a doctor, I suppose I am at the end of the day. But for now, my role is prevention, not treatment. As I type, we have left a relatively safe sanctuary of Tetley Station and the great trunk that has been my home for my whole life. It's unsettling feeling, I will admit. Cold steel surrounding me instead of the comforting living wood. But I volunteered for this, eagerly even. My grandparents faced an unknown when they first docked with a massive city spinning in space, and now I do the same. Call it a rite of passage, if you will. We have found what appears to be suitable craft, and are now searching for the entry point. The irony of an immunologist looking to infiltrate, or should I say infect, this ship has not lost on me. Per protocol, I've issued the standard quarantine, meaning suits only for the foreseeable future. Amazing pieces of technology can keep a man alive and sustained for a month longer if you replace the nutrient-paste packs. And yet, I can't help but share my crewmates' dislike for them. So stuffy and uncomfortable, as well as the whole recycling. Still, better a little discomfort than dealing with a virulent plague later. We've found an entry point, and the captain has issued mappers at some runners. I think I'll use this time to go get some atmosphere samples. With a little luck, I may be able to check off the airborne pathogens from my list before we have to move. Medical Log, Day 5. We have made the beginnings of a new home here, under the relatively warm central processor for this vessel. My own efforts to establish whether the ship is habitable in the long run have, uh, not gone as smoothly. While the various components of the atmosphere, oxygen, is considerably large volumes, some harmless gases will allow us to breathe. There is something in the air that my systems cannot identify. This was bound to happen at some point, yet I was hoping to at least confirm what manner of containment was present. It's rather surprising just how many diseases out there simply can't survive in a human. To think we had all those horror stories of super space plagues back on Earth, only for a common sense to rear its head, and yet the Martian polar expedition has taught us to be careful. I have, thankfully, cleared the water supply so that we can at least refill our canteens. But for the air, I must speak with the captain. The devices I need to examine the atmosphere were simply too bulky to accompany us. But I am certain whatever passes for a sick bay on the ship will have what I need. Medical Log, Day 5. The captain has agreed to my request and has pulled a few technicians to assist me. Assuming the inhabitants of the ship prioritize health and well-being as much as we do, not always a sure thing. 
Then the serial backup power supplies surrounding half the deck should indicate some kind of medical facility. Captain agrees it's most likely candidate and has approved our little trip. It is only an issue of how to get there. The power cables are always a sure route. However, our scouts have reported a rather worrying mass of something inside the main power junctions. Something for security teams when we are more firmly entrenched, I would assume. I may request a sample before the big boys and the big flame-belching toys wade in. For now, we have more indirect route. Even a sick bay needs fresh water, so we will be riding the pipes. Or rather, in them. For the record, I am decidedly not looking forward to this. Even looking out over the lake back home, back on Tetley Station, made me decidedly queasy. However, it is the most direct and discreet, avoiding a lack of trouble. Technician Jones says that it'll make the walk in the park. I have frequently walked through Tetley Station's Grand Park, and I can personally say that it was not as simple as it may have seemed to believe. Regardless, we leave the morning once the engineers have cut out an entry point. Medical Log, Day 6. I refuse to discuss the, uh, travel. I have no doubt that certain footages, as I type, being circulated around the base... While I'm not going to rise to the bait in demanding the captain put a stop to it, I have no doubt she is dealing with the matter at this moment. Technician Jones and Stafford have currently boring into the water diagnostic machine that we can reach and applying splicer cables. This will allow us to piggyback on the data when needed. However, we will need a serious upgrade on the machinery we currently have at our disposal to input samples back at home base. For now, all samples have been collected and examined here. While the pair work, I must as well try and describe our surroundings. Even at a glance, it is rather obvious just how alien the ship's inhabitants are to us. The diagnostic beds are configured in a way that I would never imagine could be comfortable for a human spine. Consisting of an elongated, concave section in the middle, two curved struts jutting out from either end, and some kind of upward-sloping platform where I would typically call the foot of the bed. I wish these recorders came with sketching function, rather short-sighted on the designer's part, I feel. As for the diagnostic equipment itself, while some of the controls are obviously contorted for human hands, there is a practical familiarity to them. I suppose a microscope is a microscope, even if it happens to be easily twice your height. I feel confident that. Medical Log, Day 7. I fear I must pronounce our safety due to sheer luck that I was happening to look over the entry of Sick Bay. We barely had enough time to clamber into the internal workings of the medical wing's computer systems before we heard the half-whoosh, half-grind of the doors opening. I regret to inform you all that due to our position, we are unable to catch a glimpse of our neighbors. But thankfully, sound traveled remarkably well. I counted three, maybe four sets of footsteps, clicking on the metallic floor. No way to tell if it's due to boots or if they were wearing, or perhaps some manner of claw. Vocalizations were low, chirping and clacking of some kind. No sense of any soft noises, so I think we could perhaps clear the lips of any kind. Still, best not to speculate too much. By the time we've established a secure link their medical database, I can satisfy my curiosity all day. I refuse to talk about the ride back once the occupants left. If anything, it was worse than the first time. Thankfully, the splices have held, and I can now remotely operate a few analysis programs. 
With little luck, animistry containment will simply be a harmless polynol spore. It'll take time for the results, however. So, in the meantime, I'll run an inventory check on our medical supplies. Perhaps a dip into the medical text, assuming the translators are up to speed. Day 7. Not spore, not pollen, not germ. It is, essentially, a form of dandruff. And while the thought makes me faintly queasy for obvious reasons, it is not the first particular Latin atmosphere humans have adopted to. Our implants will filter anything without the user's knowledge, and uh, as spirits are rather high right now, I don't really intend to spoil the mood. I'll make an announcement that the atmosphere is suitable to breathe tonight, but I recommend that suits stay in place until I can confirm no cross-contamination can occur. It would be a disaster, not just personally for us, but for humanity as a whole, should the very idea that gremlins carry disease should get out. Imagine the rat culling back during the Great Plague of England, only on a far greater scale. And the rats begging for mercy. Wonderful. I think I just gave myself nightmares for the next months or so. Regardless, engineering has located the power core of the ship and drawn up plans for improvements. So the restriction of powered entertainment has been cautiously lifted, for a few hours at least. We also have a few runners following the promising lead through some kind of farm. And even if it'll take time, the thought of homegrown fruits and vegetables has certainly raised some spirits. I suppose I should make use of the readers while I can. A few connections and I'll be diving headfirst into the biology notes. Medical Log, Day 8, Update I've never seen a bird in person before, but I can't help but admit the resemblance is uncanny. Medical Log, Day 10 After several hours of examining my own blood work and a rather fortunate sample obtained from an occupant's gash down the bridge of the spine, I suppose, as a medical professional, I shouldn't use the term fortunate, but it was... I have now been able to confirm that, barring the most virulent of human viruses, of which we've all been immunized against, we are unable to affect them in any way that their own immune system would be unable to fight off. At the same time, their own pathogens will hit us more or less at the same, perhaps even harder until our immune systems adapt. I admit, knowing that we're unable to kill each other just by breathing is a great weight of my mind. I made the announcement this morning, and we're free to shed our suits round home base, and I was afraid that the cheer would have alerted the unknown hosts of our presence here. Thankfully, nothing appears to have come of it, but the captain has made her disappointment at the lack of caution known. For now, however, until some medical emergency or biological mystery stumbles into my lap, I'll be content to read up on biology of those upstairs, at least until I can convince the captain to run a security squad down to that junction box. End of story. Story number two. Souls, written by Tiereth. Darcy Kaanath was thrilled. He knew that he was not supposed to feel such emotions at a funeral, but still, he was the first outsider to see human customary. Even after everything he'd learned, he couldn't understand how a species that knew permanent death ever managed to overcome the hardships of evolution up to the point of achieving space travel. While the men and women next to him wept silently, he had to force himself to hide his excitement. It was pure luck that he was sent to the human homeworld on a diplomatic mission. Just when the Hyrax raiding party arrived to test out the military strength of the newly discovered alien species. 
The raid was a traditional way of welcoming the new race into the galactic fold, of course. After all, for normal species, this just meant the loss of some natural resources, but also a way to show off their unique psychic abilities that were granted to them by their respective world soul. How surprised the Hyrax were when they realized that killed humans didn't just simply reform in the Earth's world furnace. Of course, they stopped the attack then, but the damage was already done. A few million casualties means nothing to an immortal people, but that humanity was not. Anath Valter would be not smart to move to tell his hosts that they were not only a race that were born from Solus World. He wondered how that would even be possible. But shortly after the funeral, he would find out humanity would mobilize and cease all contact with Hyrax diplomats who tried to ease the obvious tension. And it would be the first time that a species truly died, when their world got split open, its soul torn out from its shell. It is then that the Star Seeker Anath's excitement would turn into terror, when he realized the potential that comes with the rage over a lost loved one, when the galaxy realized the humans possessed not one soul, but billions. End of story. And that, my friends, concludes this dose of science fiction fun. I hope that you enjoyed. And if you did, please don't forget to support the author from the link down below. But if you want to support this channel, there are links as well down below for you to help with. But the easiest way would be to share this video. And if you are so inclined, subscribe as well. I will see you all in the next episode, and I hope that you all have a fantastic time until then. Cheers.